Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. You can find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Overcast, Good Pods. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As far as social media, I am on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, and on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro 1. I am also on LinkedIn as Luis Plaza. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and leave some feedback. Any topic suggestions, any feedback and suggestions, they are always welcome and appreciated. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode of Let's Talk Micro, go ahead and do so. This was another educational piece. You know, I mentioned that as the pandemic hit, educators had to adapt on how to teach their students remotely. You know, how can we teach microbiology when the students are not present doing the hands-on work, you know, acquiring those hands-on skills? So I had one episode where an instructor, you know, a microbiology professor, he managed to teach his students streaking remotely. You know, they were inoculating plates, they were streaking them. And in this last episode, I had Heather Townsend and Catherine Leonetti, and they are two college professors. And they implemented two ways of teaching microscopy remotely. So it's a great episode. They talked about what worked, what didn't, how they have incorporated this um, style of teaching into their current you know, methods. So they learn a lot, and they are currently implementing this method in their class. So it's a great episode. Go ahead and check it out. So on today's episode, Dr. Paul Hergenrother from the University of Illinois he joins the podcast to talk about favimycin, which is, you know, which seems to be a promising candidate for, you know, an antibiotic, especially for gram-negative bacteria. So, he talks in the podcast about how favimycin works, which it just, you know, inhibits uh, fabi, which is an enzyme, a key enzyme in fatty acid biosynthesis. He talks about how favimycin did against known pathogenic gram-negative rods. So he talks about that. Um, he mentions that favimycin, one of the things that makes it very interesting and promising is that it only kills you know, the pathogenic bacteria and it doesn't kill the commensal bacteria, that normal flora that we have, which those of you that are microbiologists, you know how important it is to have that normal flora. So many things, you know, he mentions that there hasn't been a, a drug that targets gram-negative bacteria, that there hasn't been a new one in the market in many years. So he discusses why this is so. So in summary, you know, we talk about this promising uh, drug, which is fabimycin, you know, how it works, its target bacteria, and what are the next steps? Really good information. So let's go ahead and check it out. So on today's episode, uh, I have an interview and I have a guest with me to discuss an article titled An Iterative Approach, Guide to Discovery of Fabi Inhibitor Fabimycin, a Late-Stage Antibiotic Candidate with In Vivo Efficacy Against Drug-Resistant Gram-Negative Infections. This was published in the, American, in the Journal of the American Chemical Society Central Science 
on August 10 of 2022. So with me, I have Dr. Paul Hergenrother. Doctor, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Great to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. Definitely my pleasure. So let's go ahead and start with an introduction. Uh, my name's Paul Hergenrother. I'm a professor of chemistry here at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and I've been here for about uh, 21 years, leading a team of graduate students and postdocs and undergrads and um, looking at these important problems in uh, modern medicine. Thank you for your work. Um, so I'll be asking questions as we go along, but let's go ahead and can you like do like an overview of this article and what's it about? Sure. Um, basically, we've been studying a certain type of bacterial pathogens for a while. These are called gram-negative bacteria, which tend to be uh, more challenging to kill with antibiotics. And that's something I'm sure we'll get into in this uh, podcast. And we've been looking for new, new approaches to develop antibiotics for these pathogens. And in this particular article, uh, we find a, a novel antibiotic that we call fabamycin that uh, is really interesting in its ability to not only kill these gram-negative bacteria, but to specifically kill pathogenic gram-negative bacteria and uh, while sparing bacteria that are called commensal or so-called good bacteria in the, the gut. Uh, and so that is, uh, I think that's something that's gotten a lot more recognition lately is the deleterious effects of antibiotic therapy. And so with this compound and, and other analogous approaches, the idea is really to hit the, the bacteria that are causing the infections and not other bacteria. Okay. Yes, definitely. I mean, those of us that work in a clinical lab, we definitely see, you know, a high level of resistance. And as we have studied, if you kill the other bacteria, especially if you start killing the, you know, your normal flora. So as I was reading, you know, the article, it says that there has not been a novel class of antibiotics from for gram negative pathogens approved in over 50 years. So why is this so? Well, it's a really hard scientific problem uh, is really the, the main answer. And, and 50 years ago, when the quinolones or fluoroquinolones were approved, there's actually quite a, a number of options between uh, beta-lactams and aminoglycosides, tetracyclines, and then the fluoroquinolones options that are broad spectrum that would kill both gram-positive and gram-negative bacteria. As resistance has evolved, uh, that um, those options have eroded steadily. And there have been next-generation fluoroquinolones and beta-lactams, but there hasn't been a new class uh, in that time, really because these gram-negative bacteria, uh, it, it, they, they restrict severely the types of drugs or types of compounds that can get into the bacteria. They have a gram-negative bacteria, have an additional cell wall outer membrane, and uh, this prevents the passage of, of most all uh, drug drugs to be drug candidates. And the ones that do get in are also subject to uh, being pumped out. So they have very promiscuous efflux pumps. So those two things really conspire against drug discoverers. And, um, and that's the reason for the lack of success. Okay. Um, and so let's talk about uh, what is uh, FABI? What is this mechanism of action against bacteria? Yeah, so FABI or FABI is a, a, a key enzyme that's involved in, in fatty acid biosynthesis. So the bacteria use fatty acids for a whole host of, of, of operations uh, within the cell, cell membrane, other aspects. 
And so FABI is the enzyme that catalyzes uh, the key rate limiting transformation in that whole fatty acid biosynthesis process. And so um, inhibiting FABI will kill bacteria. So uh, the compound that we found that inhibits FABI, we call fabamycin. And so uh, we can see that it inhibits uh, FABI uh, to kill the bacteria in different ways. The, the most telling being that when in the lab, we artificially uh, generate resistant mutants to fabomycin, uh, they have mutations in the gene that encodes fabi. Um, okay. And then as, as I was reading, I saw that. So there was, you know, fabomycin and there was also Debio 1452 and there was also Debio 1452 NH3. So can you talk about those three? Sure. Yeah, the the uh, and it's a really interesting story. The the compound W1452 that you mentioned is a progenitor compound. That compound is uh, really really potent against uh, MRSA or, or Staph aureus. And in fact, it's in a version of it is in phase two clinical trials against um, for Staph infection. Staph are gram positive bacteria. And this compound is a, it's a really interesting um, antibiotic approach in that it's narrow spectrum to basically only be effective against uh, staph. Um, the, the compound does not have activity against gram-negative uh, bacteria, um, but we know that the reason it doesn't have activity is not because it wouldn't in inhibit the enzyme, but because it can't get into the cell. So we have been working um, for a number of years now on, on developing a general uh, method, a general strategy or guidelines to enable drugs to get into gram-negative bacteria. And so uh, we call these the entry rules. They're kind of three chemical traits that if a compound possesses, it has a high likelihood of being able to penetrate and accumulate into gram-negative bacteria. So what we did is we applied those entry rules to W1452 and uh, we created initially the compound you mentioned, W1452 NH3, or we call it W1452 amine. And then uh, in this paper, uh, we kind of then use that same logic and strategy to develop fabamycin, which is a, a compound uh, that's even better in terms of its tolerability in vivo and its efficacy against the bacteria. Okay, and you know you talked about you know activity with staff and just for the audience, so uh, fabamycin. So, is it intended for gram-negative bacteria, uh, positive or or both? Yeah, the the great thing about fabamycin is that. Um, it, it also has a restricted uh, um, spectrum of action. So it's, it's uh, and, and we show that in the manuscript where it's really good against uh, E. coli, which are uh, pathogenic bacteria, Acinator bacter, Bamani, uh, also pathogenic bacteria, Klebsiella pneumoniae. Um, and then also, and, and so those three that I mentioned are gram-negative infections and, and cause urinary tract infections and um, other kind of really difficult to treat gram-negative infections. The compound also remains, uh, like its progenitor molecule, it remains quite potent against staph, very, very potent. So really it's those types of bacteria that it'll be uh, good against. I think the a virtue of it is that it doesn't kill other types of bacteria. So it won't kill, um, in our studies at least, that we looked at the gut commensal bacteria. And so um, we view this as a tremendous positive and, and hopefully will be easier on patients and won't cause secondary um, uh, Clostridium difficile infections, for example. 
Yes, definitely. And for the audience out there, like I mentioned earlier, you know, definitely having that, you know, normal flora, that commensal bacteria, it's it's beneficial for the body. And sometimes we prolong antibiotic use, you can you can start wiping and it can cause other things. So we don't want that. So with favimycin, like you said, it doesn't kill their bacteria. It just kills the intended target. Yep. Yep. Pathogenic bacteria. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then, yeah, like you said, yeah, I'm definitely in hearing about acinetobacter, which, you know, it tends to, you know, it definitely tends to have more intrinsic resistance than other organisms. So you can, you know, those things can get very multi-drug resistant. So it is good to hear that this, um, you know, can ha- has activity against it. So with your studies and everything, so how did favimycin perform, you know, comparing it to other gram-negative, you know, antibiotics that are intended for gram-negative bacteria? How does it compare? Yeah, there's different ways to kind of look at that. The, the, um, one of the standard ways, and, and this story was a great collaboration between us and, and uh, here at the University of Illinois and Walter Reed and the Broad Institute and the NIAID. And what Walter Reed did for us was they assessed favamycin against um, uh, 100 clinical isolates, recent clinical isolates of uh, Klebsiella pneumoniae and Acinetobacter. So they assessed favamycin against all those hundred, and then they also assessed the fluoroquinolone uh, levofloxacin. And so this kind of gets at, at your question. And it's really interesting what we show in the paper and what you see for levofloxacin is there's a, a certain percentage that are sensitive, maybe um, uh, 40% of the isolates and the others are, are quite resistant, right? And that reflects the fluoroquinolone resistance that's in the community. Whereas favamycin, the, the, the range of sensitivity is, is quite tight, right? quite narrow, meaning that um, basically all the bacteria have a very similar sensitivity to the compound. Again, uh, suggesting that there's not intrinsic risk resistance to this compound out there. Okay, yeah. So the, the levels of like the, the MIC levels, are, they tend to be low. Yeah, yeah. Which for the audience, and if you're just, you know, a microbiology student or starting to learn, it's, you know, it stands for minimal inhibitory concentration. So uh, can you talk a little bit about the in vivo experiments? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, the, the, the way that one advances these things is first you look at kind of some, some basic tolerability. So uh, mice are, are the workhorse for, for this and, and tolerability in these animals. And then uh, look at something called pharmacokinetics, which is when you uh, uh, give the compound to an animal, how much of it is actually in the bloodstream and, and makes it to um, the target site. And, and once you have a compound that's well tolerated and seems to be distributed properly, then there's different infection models that, that one can uh, look at. And there's a whole array of these. The idea is to try to mimic what the infection might be in a human host as, a, as a, a really trying to put the compound to the test to see uh, if it's worthy for advancement to people. And so we looked at uh, dye infection models, uh, we looked at pneumonia models, we looked at sepsis models, and then uh, urinary tract infection uh, was a, a key model that we looked at. Okay, and then, um, so now, you know, we have mentioned, you know, the activity that it has, how it works. So what are the next steps for favimizing? Well, um, we're hoping to push it forward uh, towards the clinic. So we're kind of um, making all of the appropriate connections needed to uh, get kind of the, the marshaled resources that are needed to get the data that would 
be uh, presented to the FDA for what's called an um, IND, Investigational New Drug Application. And so that's, um, that's usually kind of a, a, a public-private partnership in, in some way. Um, and then there's also, you know, next generation versions. So the nice thing about chemistry, about organic chemistry, there's always another compound to make, right? And there's always a, the potential that could it could be even better. And so we have um, kind of visions about how to make the, the compound better, meaning more potent and better tolerated, kind of where you have a, a therapeutic window where the, the toxic dose is way, way uh, different than the efficacious dose. That's the idea. And so we're actively working on that. Okay. And um, anything else that you want to add about this article or any updates about, about this? Yeah. I mean, I think that the key thing is that I do think there'll be a new generation of antibiotics that, that are being developed and hopefully will come on board in the next five to 10 years that are microbiome sparing, gut microbiome sparing. I think um, antibiotics are amazing drugs, life-saving drugs. Um, but one of the challenges with all antibiotics, really, especially with broad-spectrum antibiotics, is that they do um, wipe out the gut microbiome. And the deleterious effects of that are, are really being enumerated. I mean, the obvious ones and secondary infections where you get now fungal infections or um, clustered C. diff infections. But also there's connections with uh, colorectal cancer, uh, liver cancer. There's connections with lots of other things where you get that perturbation or that, that uh, gut dysbiosis, as they call it. So I think a, a real surgical strike on the pathogenic bacteria would be the ideal situation, right? And, and where one is not disrupting the gut microbiome. And it's an exciting time where we can look at these targets and, and with the genomes being sequenced and all the information that's out there, we can see how the targets in say gram negative pathogenic bacteria are very different than gram negative commensal bacteria, for example. And then we can find compounds that only hit uh, the former and not the latter. Yes, definitely. Okay. So any, where can we find any, any updates? Um, you know, so you typically publish in the American chemical society or do they have like an on, social media feed or that we can find more updates about this type of information, which I think is very beneficial for microbiologists to learn about. Yeah. I think this type of work um, is, is by, by my lab and then labs of, of my colleagues around the world. Uh, there's a whole host of journals that uh, it goes into. And I think, um, but ultimately the, people like you and, and others that are close followers of this field um, will put it on, on social media. So I, I don't, I don't think it's really a problem anymore about, uh, you know, people not, not finding these, which I think is great. I think um, the, the challenge and a major challenge in drug discovery is just the amount of uh, money and resources it costs then to go to the next step, which is, kind of uh, uh, manufacturing on a large scale and then clinical trials in, in, uh, in humans. And so um, that's something that I think there's been a lot of creativity around recently and, and hopefully uh, that'll get easier and easier. Okay, definitely. Um, well, Dr. Hergenrother, you know, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come into Let's Talk Micro. I know that as I was reading this article, I, like I mentioned, you know, it was definitely, oh, this is something that people should know about. So I accept, you know, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to come here and, and talk about it. Because sometimes, you know, like what I love about podcasts and I tell people is that 
yeah, you know, most people, some microbiologists and people, they, they sit down and read an article, but then an episode you can basically do in anything. You can listen to it and you get that information in a quick, sometimes and convenient way. So thank, thank you so much, doctor. Yeah, I appreciate uh, the invitation and, and uh, also your listeners for uh, tuning in. Definitely. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. And that, my dear audience, is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy learning about fabimycin, you know, how it looks like a promising drug for gram-negative bacteria, about how it works. As always, I enjoy sharing this information with you. Thank you so much to Dr. Paul Hergenrother for taking the time to come in into a Let's Talk Micro and talk about it. As always, continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important, remember? We do such great work. So, stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time. Bye.